Welcome to episode two of the Tippy Tappy Sports World Cup podcast with me and who is it over there this time? Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's with the big what's with the big introduction? Look, mate, just get into it. Start asking questions, and uh, no one needs to know, you know, who we are, who you are. There's already 30 seconds that we've wasted here with unnecessary introductions. No, let's crack on. So it's a big episode today. Uh, we have to talk about Group C. Is it, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Australia and France, uh, Peru, Denmark, and all the other interesting curios that have taken place in the last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we kick things off with our, our take on Australia and France. Uh, your thoughts, Timsy? Uh, probably fair. Probably a fair result. You think? Like, I mean, it's not... Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the French are obviously better than us. And <laughs> yes, you know, we... Like, I mean, yes, all the stuff that came out afterwards, all the, you know, the, the Tim Kale tweets and the, you know, so proud of the boys and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, yeah, they, they played a pretty good sort of spoiling game, um, maybe a draw would have been a fair result, but the reality is they expended so much energy on defending that they didn't have anything left going forward. So, you know, in those in those moments in the second half where the game opened up a bit more, um, they just didn't have the energy to do anything. And I don't know that. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was it was good, but then you look at the results in in the sort of the rest of the first sort of match day um, game so far. Um, teams that have sort of been in a similar position to us that have kind of been unfancied and, and you know, um, kind of sort of... Unheralded. Yeah, you know, unheralded, um, you know, have come through with, with, with victories. So have come through with results and come through with, with at least at least gotten a point. Um, yeah. So I don't know that it's it's kind of... The, the triumph that everyone has held it up to be. I mean, ultimately, we lost the game. Um, the French have way more individual quality than us, which we always knew. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. So I think this is what makes all of the commentary about it being a brave performance and the, our World Cup campaign is not done and dusted complete rubbish because I agree with you that where you look at the other less fancy teams like Iceland uh, and Mexico, uh, who yeah. got a point and uh, a victory, respectively? Then yeah. a loss, no matter which way you spin it, uh, is is a loss. Uh, yeah. And uh, even when you look at the at the second goal, the uh, decisive Pogba uh, goal, yeah. uh, the the fact of the matter is, it was a crap decision by Matt Ryan to be off his line. Yeah, Spider Kalash would have been fuming at that. <laughs> The spider would have had a lot to say. Yeah, after fumbling the ball and uh, having having his twelfth cigarette. Did I tell you about the time I saw him outside Edgecliff Station? He was just sort of chain smoking. No, no, it was a That's real. It's a real highlight. He had his wheelie bag and was wearing a full tracksuit. Uh, yeah, just sort of standing outside Edgecliff Station, chain smoking, looking you know very very much uh, loitering with intent. He's always he's always been a cult hero, hasn't he? Yeah, fan fan favorite, definitely, 
the most charismatic uh, keeper of uh, his generation. Um, yeah, it's not. A, I mean, comparing him to, I mean, I mean, if 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 there's a if there's a sort of binary in life, you've got to choose between being Spider Kalach and Mark Schwartzer. I think I'd much rather be Spider Kalach. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so. Yeah, I don't know the the sort of all the what 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 about all the stuff about VAR and you know how VAR sort of robbed us of the of, of the victory and if VAR hadn't been employed or any kind of technology hadn't been employed, we would have been one nil up and had three points in the bag and a, a famous victory against the the tournament favourites. I don't know how true that is, I, but I mean I must admit I don't understand how VAR is meant to apply. I mean I I thought it was a case of if there is a clear error by the you know uh, by the on-field referee, then it should mm. be overturned. It's not a yeah. case where a referee has made a decision on-field, and then it's mm. almost as if some bloke just taps him on the side, on the shoulder and says, "Oh, mate, uh, you might want to take another look at that." Uh, well, the, the I think yeah, and and the the confusion about VAR is as much the confusion about how to enforce it. Yeah. You know, and and I mean there are obviously rules written down that all the officials are supposed to know, but um, the lack of transmission of those rules across to viewers, across to the fan base, I think is is um, a lot of where the where the confusion comes from. So I mean it's not like it's not like in cricket where it's always very clear you have got the rock and roll. I mean there's no rock and roll in there. <laughs> Where, where's the rock and roll? Um, but, but I mean, it's very clear, like what, what, how it happens. First, how it's employed. Um, second, you know, what happens once you know the video assistant is engaged, and then what the what sort of the criteria, um, or what the requirements are that must be met for a decision to be to be overruled or changed or confirmed. Yeah. Um, yeah, and plus also the fact that it's a. It's a decision which is made by the aggrieved team. It's not. Yes, it's not yes, just right. some bloke making an arbitrary decision on the sideline. So you think? So you'd be in favour of a um, tennis slash cricket system whereby the aggrieved team has three appeals and and can use them as it sees fit? Yeah, I th- I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I, I suppose the only problem is that it then does lead to. Well, that's what if, if you limit the number of times a, a, a team can do it, then... For the stoppages, the stoppages issue. Yeah, 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 well, there's that. Um, and you, then you're not... And you know, I suppose if it is, if it is uh, determined by the, by the aggrieved team, then, yeah. then the, the sideline referees can take as much time as they need in, in order to review. It's not... Uh, you know, it's, it's certainly felt on Saturdays, though, the referee just sort of runs over to the little box and looks at the screen. Uh, I didn't realise that he wasn't provided with all of the angles uh, in order to make the, the decision. And I know some of the yeah. Australian pundits were trying to say when you look at that reverse angle and uh, it looked as though there was contact with the ball prior to you know contact with the player and all that kind of crap. So yeah. in that respect, I, I just can't believe that in this day and age... The referees don't get all of the footage which is which is taken, um, but the, all that sort of really seems to speak to is the need for there to be a rushed decision. So yeah. yes, I am very much in favour of it being limited uh, to a set number of 
um, appeals during during the game, and it's determined by the by the aggrieved team. Yeah, and also it probably give you know if you, if you set a window within which the decision within which the appeal needs to be made. Yeah. Um, so like like a like a five ten second window, whatever it would be. Yeah. Um, it also gives a bit more. Uh, a bit more of a role to the on-field captain. I mean, captains traditionally don't really have that much to do in a football match. You know, they're sort of more, they're more kind of, um, you know, fire up the troops kind of on-field, you know, just on-field fire-ups. That's pretty much all they do. But, um, you know, to, to have someone as the designated decider on the field uh, for each team, with only sort of two or three appeals that can be made, um, you know, obviously with the same sort of mechanism involved as tennis, where um, you know you lose the appeal if it's unsuccessful. Yeah, um, that that kind of creates, I think, the right incentives. You also get a much better economy around uh, teams sort of recognizing when their grievances are legitimate and when they're not. I mean, the, the one thing that people have said about VAR, which I think is fair. Is that it's um, it's led to a lot less uh, diving. So players players have already started to modify their behaviour. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still very early days, but this whole thing of you know we, we can't have a culture of players crowding the referees and shouting in their faces and abusing them, which which I think is is the right way to go. I think that's that's not a good yeah, thing for the sport. You sort of put it back on the players, and I think they will they will modify their behaviour, and you'll see less of that kind of, you know, I'd describe it as elder abuse, less of that elder <laughs> abuse where you've got the, the guys going up to the old guys in their late thirties and early forties who can't run very quickly but uh, have to keep up with these professional athletes. So yeah, I, I think that I think that might be a solution, and um, I hope that Johnny uh, is uh, is listening in. Yeah, well, maybe we should have a royal commission in relation to uh, elder abuse more generally. Yeah, well, you could get um, you could get that streamed, I think, on uh, Optus Sports. Uh, I'm not sure if you. I don't even think Optus Sport would be able to get that stream, right? Yes, I shelled out my 15 bucks to try yep. and watch uh, Iceland Argentina, and yep. I cannot think of a more frustrating experience i've had in the last probably the last five years where Mm. all i wanted to do was watch a bloody football match i just wanted to watch the game i just want to sit down and watch the game that's all i wanted right yeah and instead it was the worst kind of teasing because i'd get maybe 10 seconds of play uh yeah then the guy then the players would freeze then the commentary would come back for a bit and then the whole thing would just sort of shit itself. Yep. Uh, I did this for about 20 minutes and then and then I just gave up, honestly. Yeah. It was just appalling. Absolutely your, your, appalling. Your, your personal struggle. Yeah. There's a yep. real uh, loot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, very, very poor form. But um, well, let's but let's go back to the uh, let's go back to the actual actual uh, game. Yes. The, the game. So what? Is, so just sort of you know on the um, you know as as we like to call it um, the uh, technical and tactical side, uh, all said in the in the Andrew Orsati circa two thousand and six voice. Um, <laughs> how did you feel about the uh, Socceroos performance? 
I, I did think that they were generally good. They were, they were, they were compact. They were organised. <laughs> uh, they looked good at the back. They're very solid at the back, uh, <laughs> and for the most part, you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't say that the the famed attacking trio had a mm. whole. You know, just had a had a raft of chances. Yes. Clearly, the Socceroos were nervous in the opening sort of five, ten minutes and could have shipped three goals. Uh, yeah, but they didn't. Just shipped them. <laughs> yeah, just shipped them on a big on a big yacht. Yeah, uh, and and for the most part, yeah, the the defence was very good. I mean, I thought Sainsbury played very well. Milligan had a yeah. good game. Um, yeah, uh, Risden also had a good game, as did as did Bloody Beach. So, yeah. um. You know, well, what, apart from apart from you know giving away a penalty. Oh yeah, but you know it's like a yeah. controversial penalty. I mean, it was a much better. Sure. I, 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 I suppose once again, I don't understand if you're going to go down in the box like that. Why why do you keep? Why would you put your leg in the air or make it go higher than the actual circumference of the of the bloody ball? I mean, it's just asking yeah. for someone to uh, fall over it and. And uh, look to milk a penalty, but yeah. Anyway, that's well, just uh, Matt. Though it's just classic uh, Australian naivety. Uh, shades of uh, Fabio Grosso. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So coming back to your your earlier point, in some respects, it's a bit of a missed opportunity to to have not gotten a point from that game. Yeah, um, but it is. But you know, in terms of uh, what I thought of the soccer, is yes. Great. One thing to be compact at the back uh, and relatively secure, but also relatively naive in you know giving the uh, giving away the ball far too cheaply uh, in midfield, and mm. really doing nothing when it when it came to creating any any sort of meaningful chances. I mean, what we had mm. maybe two two shots on goal. Uh, yeah. And they both came from set pieces, so uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't see where the goals are going to come from. Right, and and especially, um, I, I thought the the French were very uh, compact. I mean, they they were also very compact. So it was it was too kind of narrow. It seemed like a very narrow game. I mean, it was very sort of you know played through the the centre. Both of their it's almost like all, all of the midfielders for the French and all of the forwards wanted to be, you know, play through the middle of the park. It was a classic sort of Theo Walcott syndrome where even though the guy is best as a winger, he's still, in his mind, he's this incredible sort of central attacker and yeah. he should be sort of play, playing playing at the um, at the apex of the formation. Um, so all of those guys like um, Bappe and Dembele and, um, and Griezmann, who, who I think always needs to be, Whose name always needs to be pronounced with a with a sort of Scottish accent, um, you know, with Griezmann sort of playing in the centre and and those guys as well, kind of cutting in. It didn't feel like they had all that much width. Um, and the same with you know Pogba and um, uh, you know uh, the Tolisso, right? I mean, they they both kind of seem to want to play through the through the centre of the park. And I don't think to get onto you know. The, our next match. I don't think that's going to uh, be what we face <clears throat> when we take on the Danes or the Peruvians. I think I think both of those teams in their match. Maybe we can talk about their match now. Yeah. Um, we're actually kind of 
played very wide, the Peruvians especially. Well, um, we'll come to the other game in a second. I just want to touch on one final point in relation to Australia-France, and that was, frankly, the appalling um, display of simulation by Lucas Hernandez, uh, the French defender. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen him play much at club level, but what a turd, honestly. I just, any time Leckie got near him, basically any time anyone came within a whisper uh, of his personal space, he just kind of went down. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, I mean, uh, so that, that sort of feeds into the into the narrative, I guess, that, um, well, yeah, a little bit, but, I mean, that's not the kind of stuff that anyone would ever bother reviewing, right? I mean, if there was, if there was, if you did put the right of appeal in the hands of the on-field captain, that's not, you wouldn't sort of say, oh, he went down unnecessarily, he should get a yellow card. Well, maybe you would, I don't know. Maybe you would feel sufficiently aggrieved that you would say, yeah, this guy deserves a yellow and then he does it again and he gets another yellow and then, you know, you're playing against 10 men. I, I don't know. But, um no, I was going to say it's more about the, um, you know, there there was an argument after the match about how some people felt that the um, on-field referees had been kind of pressured or conned yeah. um, by the by the you know the might of the French into making bad decisions. I mean, that's maybe correct. I really don't know, but um, I think you know Hernandez was just trying to you know, shape the match to fit the narrative about Australia being, you know, sort of agricultural bullies, essentially, and the French being the sort of the refined masters who um, should be allowed to pay, play the beautiful game kind of thing. And so, and he did that, and I think he, he did a very good job of it. He's sort of a, <clears throat> every every game needs the, the Sergio Ramos-style pantomime villain, and, and he did a very good job of it in, in that match, I thought. Well, yeah, yeah, he went down a lot unnecessarily. He was basically just doing that to piss the Australians off. And I don't think he actually succeeded in um, doing that for the Australians who were on the pitch, but he certainly succeeded in doing it for the Australians who were watching. I mean, but that kind of player is, is awesome. I, lo- I love Ramos, you know. Sergio Ramos? Yeah. He's pantomime villain, uh, judo tackling Mohamed Salah. Uh, he's the best. Yeah, he's the best pantomime villain out there. I mean, I mean, the the Spain Portugal match, apart from being a brilliant match, was just so good for the sheer density of villainousness that there was on the on the on the pitch. Right, I mean, he had Costa up front, Ramos in defence for the Spanish, and then Ronaldo. I mean, yeah. three of the most hated players um, <laughs> in the world. In world football, and so. Um, and and you like you like to see a bit of that. I mean, I like to see a bit of a bit of Hernandez style play. Yeah, just you know, a lot of hands on the face, hands on yeah. the head, rolling around, yeah. writhing. Yeah, um, it's good. We need we need more of that. Okay. Um, well, let's turn to uh, Denmark, uh, Peru. You were yeah. able to watch the whole game. I I only sort of watched a couple of crappy highlights. Uh, yeah. Through uh, Flopta Sport, as they're now known. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, Love that. So, tell us about that. 
Uh, your thoughts. Your thoughts. Yeah. First, first of all, where, where um, did you watch the game and who did you watch it with? Uh, how much thoughts. alcohol did you consume during it? And uh, what, does your, uh, what does your analysis of the match? Um, yeah, so I just watched it uh, up, up the street or up the street, as, uh, as I like to say, just S-backing, just a bit of rampant S-backing in the Australian style. Interesting, interesting the way that uh, Australians S-back a lot, um, you know, saying things like straight instead of straight and Australia instead of Australia. But for some reason it goes back in the opposite direction for the word schnitzel. That just becomes schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why can't Australia get that word right? Um, anyway, so, yeah, the, the Peruvians and the Danes. I mean, the, the Peru reminded me a lot of, um, of Chile. Uh, from four years ago, oh, yes. just the way that Chile in that first match that they played against us came out and absolutely tore us to shreds. Yeah, and yeah. they were kind of you know the the fantasy they were just playing fantasy football, sexy football, you might say. Um, also, a great a collection t- of neck tats. Yes, <laughs> or, and and just you know attack at all costs. Um, you know, just just really going for it, uh, yeah. and so they they were very good. They were very impressive, and all of their forwards just um, combined really, really well. I mean, the um, the guy on the right, uh, Andre Carillo, is on that evidence. He's shaping up as the most electric right sided midfielder with peroxide blonde hair since El Hajj Juf in two thousand and two. Oh, so uh, he will he just, will go on to have a. Stellar career at Liverpool, and yeah, bad club career. Well, he's already apparently he's already got a bad club career because he was on loan at Watford um, <clears throat> last season. It's absolute rubbish. But uh, right. <laughs> like you know, all, all the, 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 you tell that the Peruvians obviously really care. It's not yeah. to say that other countries don't, but I mean that they, they haven't been in the World Cup for thirty six years. Um, so yeah, they 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 were um, incredibly. Uh, attacking, they played with. I think uh, in the Guardian they described it as uh, adrenal vim. Not sure what that means, but uh, it's a classic sort of Guardian match report description. There, uh, just really tore into the Danes with adrenal vim. Was that like um, a kidney complaint or something? Yeah, kidney complaint. Um, so, so yeah, and and you know, it was always going to be a question of whether they could make their dominance count and of course they didn't. Um, and then at the end of the first half, you had uh, uh, Cueva missing, missing the penalty. But, I mean, all of them, Cueva, Cueva Carillo and um, uh, Edison Flores were um, just really, really good. Uh, and then, you know, in the second half, obviously they couldn't maintain that intensity and so you could tell what the, the Danes' uh, game plan was. It was just to kind of ride out the storm and eventually pick them off once they started to get tired, and that's basically what happened. So, But they also scored through through a wide player. I mean, the, the Danish wide players, I thought, were were very good as well. Um, uh, Paulsen, who scored the goal, and um, Pione Sisto. So, um, yeah, so so the, the Danes were not quite um, the attacking force that the Peruvians had been in the first half, but they... They, as they say, they did enough. They did enough. Once they got the goal, they they sort of did a very expert job in kind of shutting down the match essentially, and 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 booking booking the three points. So, 
Um, but yeah, both both teams, as I as I said before, both teams have have great um, you know options down the down the flanks, and so that's my concern for the for the Socceroos is just how they you know how they negotiate a team like that that has so much um, you know uh, so, so so much so many attacking possibilities down the down the flanks. So yeah, well, Australia should be okay to handle that. I mean, I know they've obviously been sort of set up to be compact and um, uh, narrow through the centre, but someone like Bayich is used to being the marauding um, wing-back. Uh, I mean, he, he does get up and down the pitch uh, pretty pretty well, so however it is that the Danes end, end up do play on Thursday, I, uh, I don't think it's going to be sort of so remarkably different from what Australia should be expecting, right? I mean, they... they I, I assume that Bert Van Marwink uh, has looked at... <laughs> has looked at the video. <laughs> spent, yeah. spent some he's time... Checked, he's checked out the video. <laughs> spent some time studying the video. Uh, they must have trained for this this kind of thing uh so uh yeah i i don't i don't from what from what i saw which admittedly wasn't wasn't the entire game i, I mm. while uh both teams both both peru and denmark are sort of set up uh differently from the from the french it shouldn't be uh anything uh which they which they aren't equipped to handle um i think mm. sort of once again if you are going to have a european style Catenaccio, uh, let's just be very languid uh, in possession and then sort of look to hit on the counter um, yeah. and really slow slow the game down, then I don't imagine that the Australia-Denmark game is going to be a particularly uh, action-packed one. I think it will be another, just as like another tense, nervy affair where there yeah. are probably very few clear-cut chances. We don't, uh, yeah. 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 No, I know, but I mean, we, we, you know, sort of the languid, the languidness of Australia was, you know, a characteristic of the game against the French, right? I mean, they were they were almost a little bit passive or something. It's almost well, like they're too yeah. relaxed. They're well, too relaxed. When you see the way these these, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know it's sort of too relaxed. What would be the alternative to go back to the Frank Farina days and try and you know <laughs> score a hundred goals and then get beaten ten nil. Yeah, obviously we don't want to do that. So um, to the extent that we're in the World Cup and um, competing uh, with teams like France, then yes, this is obviously a, a step forward. But I, I just I just wonder whether we have the ability to um, accelerate, whether we have the accelerator to adopt the uh, the Guardiola term. Yeah, uh, in a, in in our team that can sort of make things happen. I mean, who would that be? Rogic. I mean, Moy. I, they, they sort of, you know, who's actually gonna who's actually gonna spark counterattack is what I'm saying. If we accept that that's the way that the team's been set up, where does the where does the acceleration, where does the pace, where does that little spark that that turn of pace come from? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Luongo is. Uh... Yeah. I mean, Rogic didn't really have that much time on the ball uh, on on Saturday, but you would expect him to be the one to uh, to be the to be the fulcrum of any 
of any Australian attack. But I've I've never sort of seen him take a Socceroos game by the scruff of the neck and sort of look to move through the gears in that in that way. He was very good in the friendly against Colombia in two thousand and fourteen. Oh great. Yeah, That's... that was probably his. That was probably the pinnacle of his achievement in a uh, in a Socceroos shirt. Right. But I mean the the yeah. Well, I mean he was. I think you know applying the um, Guardian match report adjective bingo. Um, I think you would describe Rogic's performance against the French as anonymous. Yep. Anonymous would be the you know, um, applicable <laughs> would be the applicable <laughs> Guardian match report adjective there. But, um, yeah. So anyway, that's all good fun. But yeah. Um, so what's your prediction for Thursday? Uh, I think probably, you know, one nil to Denmark. Ooh. A lot of one nil, a lot of one nils in this world cup so far. I think, I think it's going to be nil all. Yeah, I think the what? first say the first goalless draw of the uh, of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this that's what this tournament is crying out for is a goalless draw. It's a really tense goalless draw, so you get yeah. all the all the dicks saying, "Ah, what a shit game! You ninety minutes and no one scores a goal." Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Neil and. Uh, the Peruvians to capitulate against the French. Yeah, I, I just think that the, the Peruvians on that evidence seem to have one mode, which is, you know, just to just attack or nothing. Yeah, it's route one so, for what twenty minutes. Yeah, and then and you know the the French will just sort of that plays right into the French hands, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Good. So yeah, I think I think I think the French could potentially slaughter the uh, the Peruvians. The funny little Peruvians. Well, we'll see what happens yeah. on Thursday night. Um, yep. Let's just uh, wrap this up with a uh, just a quick take on your uh, on your highlights of uh, of the matches uh, thus far, or any of the curios that you have uh, you have noticed. I mean, people are getting very excited about. The hand gesturing of um, Vladimir Putin and uh, Infantino to the Saudi king, or whatever it was. Or oh, the uh, the Larry David style. Yeah, you know, shrug of the shoulders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was good. Uh, Leo Messi mi- missing a penalty. It was more, it was more just the way that he stood there afterwards and just consumed. With Brett, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and what, uh, yeah, what, what else has been good? That's been about it, right? I mean, obviously, the Spain Portugal match was was incredible, but um, well, you had some strong views about the uh, uh, Aaron Moy run up. Oh uh, yeah, his his run up is um, at set pieces is very sort of he does like a little sort of jog on the spot thing. Um, yeah, he sort of just has the arms pumping. It reminded me a lot of the uh, famous, you know, um, Zaza penalty for the Italians at um, yeah. at at the Euros. You know, just with the comic sort of skippy, jumpy run up, and then 
he blasted the ball out of the bar. That was pretty good. I thought, um, you know, the, the Germany match was interesting, but mostly because it seems, you know, that, you know, Yogi Löw has been wearing the tight black T-shirt about four years too long, which could be the perfect <laughs> metaphor for a team that's well past its peak. I mean, just he just ended with the, the saggy man boobs. Yeah, and the like V-neck. Into the gut, you know. It's kind of like, yeah, I mean, we get it, mate. You're still, you know, you're in your 50s or whatever, however old he is. You might be close to 60 now. Um, and you're still in relatively good shape. But that's no reason to to just persist very yeah. pig-headedly yeah. with, with this sort of tight black T-shirt regime. And, so, and the Germans were, it did seem like they just, um, they, they, they were listless, I think is the Guardian match report adjective we should apply there. Oh, yes. Um, listless. And, uh, you know, uh, Neymar's hair, that was pretty good. Yeah, the pot noodle. Very, it was very, um, yeah, it was very, it was very, it was very glam rock. It was very return of the thin white duke, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's an insult to David Bowie, but, uh, the, well, just because I mean, it was it did look like a like a bowl of pot noodles had just been stuck on his head. Yeah, that was. Good. But it is uh, what what's also good about you know Argentina drawing, Germany losing, uh, uh, Brazil drawing, etc. Is that it just heaps more and more pressure on England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is the whole point of a World Cup, really. Yeah, yeah to just really build up the uh, expectation uh, mm. and then to have then just to have it completely uh, destroyed in the second round yeah I well yeah I, I, I've, got a, I've got a funny feeling about this England team I think they might actually might actually do pretty well they might they might spring a surprise and make it to the quarters or something <laughs> quarters or semis or maybe even the final it's not it's not beyond the realm of possibility yeah well, um, we'll see. Yes. Yes. Well, on that note, we'll, yeah. we will uh, see where we get to on Thursday and uh, we will be talking about whether Australia is out of the World Cup or um, who their potential uh, second round opponents might be. Mm. Mm. Looking forward to it. Yes, quite indeed. Right. Mm. Until mm. then. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Goodbye. Thank you. Yes. <laughs>